Hello and welcome back to another episode of Nick Tiffany's Movie Reviews in the podcast form. Today, we're getting into the business. We're talking Magic Mike, his last dance. The third and final film in our Magic Mike trilogy, directed by Steven Soderbergh and starring none other than Magic Mike himself, Channing Tatum. You know, obviously everyone has their own thoughts on Magic Mike. Some people think they're just movies about male strippers. They're not totally wrong. Some people think they're just an entertaining time. They're not wrong. And some people think that, you know, underneath all of that, underneath the washboard abs, there are actually some pretty genuine and good stories, whether it's a male friendship or self-actualization and trying to figure out what you're doing in your life. And so after uh, after Magic Mike XXL, I really wasn't sure how they could top that movie. Um you know, Alex Pettifer had a pretty famous falling out with Channing Tatum during the filming of the first movie, which is why he was not invited back um, and was not a part of the ruckus and the romping across America and America's greatest uh, strip shows like we saw our boys do last time. Um, and so, you know, I, going into this last movie, I didn't totally expect, you know, a, a similar path for our characters but I didn't expect that this movie would pretty much just be about Mike himself um you know we get a few cameos from Joe Magliello um a couple of the other guys uh, Matt Bomer um Tarzan um you know they get like a, a couple minutes here and there but for the most part by and large this is a story about Mike and kind of looking at where he's at, at 40 years old, the pandemic's going on, and Mike's kind of lost his business. And all that's kind of clear to us is his buddies kind of helped him go in on something legit. He wasn't able to make it work, but, uh, you know, he feels indebted to them one way or another. And so he's gigging. He's bartending down in Florida, any event he can get. And that kind of lands him working a gig for this woman, Maxandra. And, you know, she's this... Huge socialite, multi-millionaire, married to a, uh, well, married to, but perhaps in the middle of a contentious divorce, um, you know, of another very wealthy gentleman over in England. Uh, but, you know, she's living at her Florida home. She's throwing a charity event. Mike's working the bar, you know, passes off some uh, some pretty good, like, you know, brief life advice to her as he's setting up. You know, you can tell he's kind of got eyes for uh, Selma Hayek's character there, but, you know, you can also tell that she might have eyes for him. But now, you know, he's working, he's just the bartender, and it's not until uh, a young woman comes along and recognizes Mike, you know, way, way back from his cop days and her sorority days, and she kind of puts in a word to Maxine, because she's been, you know, Max has been stressed. She's been dealing with a lot you know, everything that's crumbling is back home in London. And so she's holding on to anything that she's got here. And as Mike's packing up, when things are uh, all said and done at the end of the party, he gets an invitation in to, uh, to talk with Max. The bartender, uh, your presence is requested. I'm sure like most people, we kind of had an idea of what might be coming next. And, you know, they've got it actually a really... I mean, they've got fantastic chemistry throughout the whole movie, Channing and uh, and Selma Hayek. Um, you know, a really believable 
I don't want to necessarily say start of a relationship, but uh, the two of them, the closeness they're exhibiting, the tender moments they share, the really raunchy, really sexual moments that they, they share, that energy, um, it's matched so well. And what starts out is what you think might just be like, oh, this is probably just going to be a, a fun little dance for her. You know, it's just going to be a good time. Well, you know, it was a good time, obviously. It was a really good time. I mean, it practically looked like they were having sex on land. You know, he's like, all right, are these things sturdy over here? Can I hold you up and dance around you on that? Well, cool, I'm gonna. <laughs> Let's move these plants over here. Um, and one thing these movies, I think, still do really well is they take themselves pretty seriously. You know, it's totally fine to giggle. You know, my fiance and I were watching together, and so... So many moments in the scene. It's it's not that it's uncomfortable. It's one of those deals where obviously you don't see it a lot, and you're like, whoa, like, did you? What did he just do there? What is I'm like, whoa, what am I watching? Um, it's getting a little steamy, you know. Um, but uh, but just immediately from the start of the film, you know, it's, it's clear that their interaction is something more than just, hey, you know, I heard you're a dancer. Could you just kind of cheer me up? I'm having a rough time. Um, and you know, this experience just kind of transcends things for Max and she gets the brilliant idea to bring Magic Mike out to London, put on a show at the theater that she's fighting for in her divorce and turn an old classic into something unheard of in the world of theater. You know, she wants Mike to come in. She wants him to direct, which was also an interesting kind of spin on things. Um, she wants him to help direct a take on, uh, I think it's Isabella Sends, this old classic tale of a woman having to choose between, you know, the snobby old rich man or the poor man who's given her a heart. Um, and the film kind of takes shape around the idea of female empowerment, which is not new for these movies. You know, a lot of these films are focusing on women, whether it's women's pleasure, entertaining women, um, you know, empowering women like uh, like Jada Pinkett Smith did in the last movie. Um, you know, so Selma Hayek will have a role. She's producing, so she's going to have ideas of her own, but she really, 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 well, she wants to get back at her ex, but she really wants to create something unlike anybody's experienced. And so that's kind of how we segue into our story. Can Mike craft a show that not only highlights dance, but can capture some of those sensual, sexual moments. Um, and what follows, I, you know, I was really genuinely surprised um, by how invested I was in the story, by how seriously they take the characters and their relationship, um, working relationship for the most part, but looking at two people who are uh, in a place by themselves, you know, whether it's they feel that no one quite understands them or maybe no one believes in them, which is a pretty common theme for Mike. Um, you know, they want to show something. They want to show that they're worth something. They want to show that they can create something that's lasting, that'll have people talking, that will be seen as art. And so the movie segues really into being a lot about an appreciation for dance in a lot of different forms, whether it's the physique that you have to to have the talents you can display the athleticism how can we find the best dancers and put them in a show 
you know, essentially, how are we going to turn the best dancers into strippers? Because Mike's like, I already got strippers. I got guys who can dance. I know what to look for. But, you know, Selma Hayek, she's like, there's got to be something more. It can't just be about the stripping and the dancing. I want to watch. I want to see something elegant um, as well as something sexual. Um, And so it just, you know, it leads to a lot of really interesting conversations about dance, dance's place in the world. You know, we get narration from Selma Hayek's daughter in the movie, um, you know, who kind of plays that. You know, she's not an obnoxious kid in the movie by any means, uh, but is observing, you know, the, oh, yeah, Mom, I'm sure you're just helping this guy make a play. That's why he's staying in our house. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there's nothing going on there. Um, you know, she she kind of knows what's going on. But, uh, but she is our narrator for the movie and is kind of taking us sometimes through the history of dance, rituals, and the language, and everything that it can really mean and how you can tell stories through dance and show emotion and vulnerability. And in some cultures you would have to dance before you could be promised and married to somebody. And, you know, you had to be expressive with love, with life, with joy, sadness, and sorrow, all these different things. And it was really interesting to listen to. Didn't always necessarily feel like it had a place in the story. Um... Because for all the incredible dancing and dance sequences and choreography in the movie, which there's a lot of, you know, there are just some moments that feel like, not quite like a dead end, but, you know, what are we, you know, sort of pick a lane. What are we, what are we talking about here? Are we going to go with the fact that we need dance and it's going to be more sensual, sexual, or are we looking for a more athletic performer? And it's clear that this guy can dance. But can he dance on this chair? Can he dance around her? Can he make her feel special? Um, And so part of the film is watching that evolution. And can we turn these guys into sex machines? And can we turn them into someone, you know, who can grant a woman her wildest fantasies? And just kind of like the last movie, um, and the movie before it, you know, this film really does highlight that you know the pleasure is for anyone it's not just young co-eds it's not young moms it's not the hottest people in the world all the time whatever with the most you know the most illustrious people no you know dance love all these languages are universal and so the film does a really fun job I think of highlighting that sometimes whether it's the younger guys dancing with the really older women um and not always in that sexual way but you know, in fun, different ways that appeal to, again, just that, you know, they make a a great reference to not necessarily just Swan Lake, but um, the swan as a whole and just how elegant it is to watch and behold. And, you know, there's definitely something to be said for watching incredible performance. And so in a lot of ways, you know, there's just so many funny, (laughs) you know, enjoyable scenes because little 80 year old Darla is being hauled up on stage while permission's playing in the background and she's getting kissed up and down the arms and getting her legs spread apart as this guy comes and wiggles his body all around I mean you know it's it's funny it's entertaining um and it's when I feel like these movies are probably at their best um because it genuinely does feel like everybody involved is having a good time Um, It feels like they're accomplishing their goal. Um, So largely, 
you know, despite not being as action-heavy, maybe as hilarious and as breezy as Magic Mike XXL, which I still think would be the best in the series, I think Magic Mike, uh, his last dance, this third film, is probably right behind XXL, though, um, because it really is an interesting study of Mike and, you know, him trying to open himself up to love and open himself up to uh, to creating something as well. You know, as a constant through all three films, you know, everybody has these opinions of him and has these thoughts about what he's probably capable of or not so capable of giving his profession. Oh, you know, he's a stripper. He probably doesn't know the art bazelle. He probably doesn't know this other language. He probably doesn't know so many of these snobby things that we're discussing because he's such a lowly stripping man. Um, and it's weirdly enjoyable to kind of hear him snap back when he knows his shit and when he knows like, Hey, you know, before you judge me, you know, I'm not just the, not just a dancer, you know, I haven't had the passion for it maybe, but that's because you do lose sight of some of those things. Um, when it just comes to entertainment, we just want Magic Mike. We just want this. We want that. But what does Magic Mike want? What does he want? You know? Um, and this movie gives you a pretty good idea of that and his internal struggle and trying to find a, a balance between a work and, you know, art that he can create that he enjoys. And so, I, you know, I was definitely pleased by this film in the sense that it wasn't just like a covid cash in you know it was filmed during covid so i'm sure that's kind of what explains some of the limitations perhaps with the cast but i think they wrote a great story um about the character um definitely more serious a little less entertaining than the first two but a a worthwhile story you know you're gonna laugh you're gonna i mean honestly sometimes there is a a whole choreographed choreograph scene that Channing Tatum does with uh, a ballerina towards the end while it's raining and there's all this water they're kind of spinning around through and surfing around on um and it's extremely elegant it's athletic it's moving um you know my fiance and I we got really into watching I say we you know I, I probably prompted it watching a lot growing up but uh, we were watching Dancing with the Stars um and so many times, you know, it's it's rare sometimes when you can see a performance that really just drops your jaw that you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how someone could create something so beautiful, something so touching. Um, but this film manages to do that more than a few times um, in a few different ways, um, whether it was more on the sensual side, more on the sexual side, and more on a side of almost love, um, so I, you know, yeah, I, I was just really, really surprised by this film, more than anything, surprised how much I enjoyed it, surprised in the direction they took it, um, you know, I think they do another great job, obviously, getting their soundtrack together, um, it's always been something that they do well, um, in terms of how they kind of style some of their dances to different songs, and so, uh, so I don't know, I, Selma Hayek, was fantastic. Um, the acting all around was, you know, just incredibly enjoyable. You know, you could watch this home. Uh, you can watch this film at home on uh, 
you know, I think I got it through Voodoo. They were doing a whole package deal. It was like, oh, three Magic Mics. It's like 10 or 15 bucks. And so it was like, oh, even the new one that just came out in theaters. So even though it's not in theaters anymore and it's not out on DVD yet, you can still own it or you can still watch it. And I think it's worth your while. You know, that's the one, it's the weird upside to, you know, still coming out of some of this COVID pandemic theater streaming type stuff. Um, you know, it was never a, a huge film. It's definitely not an expensive film, I think, as compared to the last two even. Um, and in that same breath, you know, it might not stay in theaters that long. You might not have the budget to market it as long. Uh, but hopefully it finds some legs on streaming or on digital. Um, you know, if you need a good little movie for the night, you're great. You can watch it with your girls. You can watch it with the adult family. You know, it's never so crazy that you're just like, you know, oh gosh, I can't believe we're watching this. Um, just like the other two, it, it's a pretty fun time. Um, and anybody who feels shame enjoying a Magic Mike movie, whoever you are, don't feel it. Don't let it win. These are good movies and they deserve to be seen. It's Steven Soderbergh. I'm like, there's even moments where Magic Mike's Last Dance gets a little oceans from time to time. Um... So, you know, I you know I think it is worth your while. Go see it. Watch it at home. Enjoy the hell out of it. And we'll see you for the next show. Thanks, you guys.